to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, all that other good stuff. Love to uh, connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Richard Beagle on the line. He's a musician, educator, arranger, and educational performer at Daytonville, Columbus Pro Musica, Sinclair College, along with other institutions. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Adam. So quite a treat to have you on today, and uh, and, and and for the for everyone listening, uh, talking to Richard and the kind of the warm up we do prior to recording, and he's like, you know, I'm not a money guy, I'm a, I'm a musician, and I said, money matters, and this whole movement and this whole thing I'm doing with interviewing people is much bigger than are we, you know, our labels of are we finance guys or are we in insurance or are we lawyers or are we doctors? It's more so about um, capturing the passion of what we're doing and whatever our chosen calling is and kind of sharing that with others for the benefit of others to learn from. Uh, Richard, so that's why I'm excited to have you on today because um, um, I want to get, let's just start with a little bit more of your background of, you know, what inspired you to go into music? Oh, thanks so much. Um, well, you know, I think I always had a musical band. My older sisters played piano with lessons, uh, so in the house I always heard the music, and I started with piano lessons, but when I added trombone lessons, uh, I gravitated more toward that. I think some of the reason was in the school band, uh, in the lessons part of the teaching there, you couldn't go hide in the back row like I did for my other classes. There were just, say, three trombone players and the band director for those lessons. So you really couldn't go hide in the back row, and you really got to contribute and hold something and do something rather than just sit with a book and a pencil. So that was more engaging for me than the rest of school, plus combine that with a musical band, and, and there you had it. I was hooked. So I, I know there's uh, you know a lot of people listening to this that are that are um, you know just just about to leave college. Maybe they're um, they graduated a year or two ago and they have you know they may have been in music programs and other things and they're really you know w want to work at pursuing their dream and continuing to keep the music alive. Um, when I, and I know that there's different things that pull people from their their passion. Um, what kind of advice would you give? Um, to that person that's out there, you know, really trying to make a living after college as a as a musician um, and, and keeping it going? Ah, well, um, you'll need perseverance. And since you mentioned it, passion, um, you really, I think the main ingredient is that passion and love of what you do. Because there's going to be ups and downs in the road, and there's no reason to keep going to a practice room and spending time alone when you could be doing other things, but honing those skills really requires the love of what you do to spend that time and a little bit of faith that you're going to find your niche, even if it's not um, what you necessarily imagine it's going to be. If you keep following that passion, you'll find a niche in the music field or in the arts uh, that you carve out through your problem-solving skills. 
No, that's great. Um, what kind of what kind of trends are you noticing, if any, um, just in general, in performance, in um, in the way music is distributed? It fascinates me because once upon a time, you know, it was really confined to uh, you know a CD or before that an A track or before that whatever it was records. Um, and now, just with the distribution and, and digital distribution, what's that like to you um, as a lifetime musician? Like, what what does that mean to you? from your point of view? Well, um, I see the opportunity in it. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of growing pains in the music field uh, with illegal downloads and copying music and things. But as technology develops, if you uh, keep up on it, you can release your singles and and people I'm in a slightly different part of the profession in in classical mm -hmm. music I'm not making pop records or singles but the technology has allowed more people to own more music for less money and it doesn't take up space on your bookshelf so um you know that's what you can do with the downloads and I think on the supply side uh artists are changing what they do to meet that demand and you can also make professional sounding recordings at home now uh, where all the infrastructure of a recording studio is not needed like it used to be. But it helps to have those professionals and really do a music studio, of course, but a lot can be done with technology at home. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the the cool parts about all of this in this movement is that where you even mentioned um you know, okay, well, you may not be making pop records, but if you're talking classical or if you're talking about in your genre, I mean, things like scoring movies or scoring digital videos or this open right. source, there's a lot of different. So even for someone, for example, um, where you would have put yourself in this realm where maybe you only had a couple of things you could do with your skill set um, historically to make money, to keep the music alive and to keep pursuing your passion and what you like doing now, I mean, the amount of video that comes out, the amount of music that's needed um, from all different genres, it just blows my mind. Yeah, and people have to change to meet the marketplace and meet the demands and the needs. So um, in my case, for instance, uh, I grew up, you know, past that elementary school background I gave you, going into college, thinking that um, I would go into uh, music education and performance equally. And then I got the performance bug. You know, some people play baseball and some people watch it. I wanted to see how far I could go in the performance aspect of the field. And so I would practice and practice for orchestra auditions. And if you win just one of those, that's a really big orchestra job, like the most famous ones you've heard of, it occupies most of your time and practice. And if you get a medium or smaller orchestra, uh, then you have this other time, uh, other free time and financial needs to do other things. And that's where I've landed in a medium or size orchestra, a medium pay orchestra. And so with that other time, I, try, I create these other ensembles and bring music to my community in more independent ways. Oh, that's awesome. I, I get it. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and it sounds to me like it's pretty dynamic overall. 
um, in, in the way that you're able to explore your field and to kind of operate and maneuver within it. It, it really is um, because I, I get to make what I want. Uh, you know from uh, reading up on me a little bit that I have a couple of my own ensembles and I call to try to get them work. I call around places like libraries and schools and performing arts centers and other institutions and then I get to tell my band, hey, we've got another job. Let's add this to our calendar. Those groups are that I'm working on the hardest right now, the Greater Dayton Brass Ensemble, who plays as a brass quintet, and in the schools as a brass trio. I write little little shows that, that uh, are hopefully funny and educational that we bring to the kids. The last two years, we, we did musical Mythbusters, riffing on that TV show, and another one was the Trio Trivia Timeline, where kids had to place where recording technologies went on the timeline based on the songs they would hear, like when did the phonograph come out and when did cassettes get invented. And those were fun shows to bring to the schools. And the other ensemble that I'm working hard to help get work right now is the Miami Valley Klezmer Ensemble, where um, I live in Ohio now. And people have told me, hey, this band would be great in New York or Miami. But it, Klezmer, if you don't know, is old Jewish wedding music that's very exciting. Think Hava Nagila or Fiddler on the Roof as mm -hmm. a quick example. Uh, but it turns out that out here in Ohio, um, the population of, of Jewish people isn't what you'd find in New York or Miami, but we're also the only band of our kind for many miles. <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's true. I didn't think about that. It's awesome. <laughs> so on, on the one hand, you might think there's less demand, but... Uh, no, there's are, more. Really? There's really more. It's good to be the only game in town. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. What a great story, Richard. I knew we were going to have fun. Um, so if somebody's listening to this and if they want to hear more of your music or to follow up, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, thanks so much. Um, richbeagle.com. And my name's not spelled like it sounds, so R-I-C-H-B-E-G-E-L.com. And if you go to the little tab called uh, soloist and ensembles, you can hear the um, Greater Date Brass Ensemble or or the Miami Valley Klezmer Ensemble, and both of those groups also have Facebook pages now. That's awesome. And can you repeat your website one more time, please, for those listening? Sure. RichBeagle.com, R-I-C-H-B-E-G-E-L.com. There. All right, perfect. And you'll, well, hey, you'll Rich. have to go to just want to thank you for uh, coming on the show today and uh, sharing some of your time and your passion for what you do and why you do what you're doing. Um, to the audience, as always, thank you for subscribing uh, and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to leave me a review um, and do all those other great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Richard, thanks again for coming on the show.